0: The hub is a community. Manuscript,
1: book, and print cultures, stamping. Properties. You
0: are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub, Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The hub is a space contemplating Ireland through the community.
1: created by Cora C. about change. The hub is about impact. 90%. The hub is for everyone. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Professor Des O'Neill here. Uh, I'm just going to give us a minute or two uh, for participants to enter. Um, and you're all very welcome uh, from whatever part of the world you may be in. And we're particularly pleased to have uh, our speaker, a guest speaker from uh, Brisbane, Queensland uh, today. OK, I'll take a start. If you look in the chat function, you'll see some of the uh, technical issues around commenting and questions and answers afterwards. So uh, just as by way of introduction, my name is Professor Des O'Neill. I'm a consultant geriatrician and I co-chair medical and health humanities in Trinity College Dublin with Professor Mary Cosgrove, a professor of German. Uh, we're situated in the Trinity Long Room Hub, which brings together all the arts and humanities together as a focus for research and scholarship, as well as continuing education. And if you look at the website, you'll see a broad range of humanities and arts activities with a particular interest in engagement with not only scholars and students, but the public as well. So these le- seminars are open to the general public. Um, This is the longest-running series of seminars in medical and health humanities in Ireland, and the general format is for a speaker who will speak for possibly 30 to 40 minutes generally, Uh, and then a bit of discussion between myself, sometimes with a discussant, but uh, we couldn't find anybody from film studies uh, currently who was available. And then we, we we will talk through the uh, Q and A that as they arise. Sometimes, please feel free to put in a comment. Uh, particularly pleased today to welcome uh, Professor Ruth Hubbard, who's a very distinguished and widely uh, appreciated geriatrician from uh, she's the masonic chair of geriatric medicine in the university of queensland queensland but has also um, spent a significant time in uh, dalhousie university with uh, a very celebrated geriatrician uh, ken rockwood and uh, has her publications are are numerous and they've spanned the reach of uh, very much basic science but also particularly around applied science and uh, has had very useful publications around the area of frailty and what it means for physicians and how we should work with frailty which has been a concept which has um, caught fire across healthcare uh, specialties but very often people not quite sure what to do with frailty when they've measured and found it. Uh, Today's Medical and Health Humanities Seminar um, is in an area that perhaps has been somewhat the flavor of this year's seminars, which has been a congruence or confluence with an area called cultural gerontology, or how humanities, arts and aging um, improve or increase our insights in what it means to be older, in what are the opportunities and benefits, What is the lived experience? And this is hugely important because um, aging is something that society has. We we get a strong sense as gerontologists, but also from the humanities. Aging is something that uh, society hasn't quite yet learned to appreciate. And the hallmark of aging is complexity and inter-individual variability. And when you get complexity, there is nothing like artistic product To give you or formulate uh, helpful metaphors, helpful lens and portals through which to understand uh, the longevity dividend, what we've gained from aging, but also our attitudes. Um, And so when uh, this paper was published by uh, Professor Hubbard and her colleagues in uh, the BMJ at Christmas, um, this certainly caught my eye and we're very pleased that she was able to oblige us. And for those of you who may or may not know, it's a particularly celebrated spot to have a publication in the Christmas B&J, which is considered very much a front door of medicine, to a certain extent, letting its hair down somewhat, but also um, undertaking projects that will attract and spark the imagination of both professionals and the public alike. So, Ruth, it's the middle of the night in uh, Queensland. We're really appreciative of you uh, giving this talk and look forward to hearing more about anticipating the ageing trajectories of superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Over to you, Ruth.
0: Thank you so much, Des. Thank you for that warm introduction. And it's a great pleasure to join you today and and to speak about this this topic. Um, My goals for the next sort of... um, need to work out how to progress my slide. There we go. Um, So my goals for the next 30 to 40 minutes are to explain the inspiration behind this piece of work and how it was created, and then to review the content of the paper. Um, and how it was received. Uh, But before I begin, it is Australia Day today in Australia. So I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which I speak and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. So the inspiration behind this was really a convergence of four factors. And um, Professor O'Neill has referred to the first one, which is the the Christmas BMJ. So the Christmas BMJ, when I was a medical student, was considered the pinnacle of publishing because everybody in the medical fraternity read this publication because it was lighthearted in tone. Um, So it accepts accepts papers which have rigorous scientific methodology, um, but with a a take-home message that is perhaps not as, as serious as many other um, medical publications. So famous examples of publications that have come from the Christmas BMJ include a paper in the 1990s when evidence-based medicine was being strongly advocated, um, pointing out that um, wearing a parachute when you depart from an airplane had not been subject to a randomized control trial. So perhaps um, wasn't actually proof that it was of any benefit. So those sort of papers, there've also been things about Um, studies looking at which type of cutlery is most likely to go missing from medical um, dining rooms and um, the effect of head banging on the neck biomechanics. Um, So I saw the BMJ as an opportunity to publish something that was um, perhaps a little less serious than some of my other publications. Um, so, the second of the four factors that converged is that I have an interest in frailty. Um, again, as Professor O'Neill um, outlined, so I have been doing research in frailty since my uh, research higher degree, which was uh, about the, four, 13 years ago now. Um, so, I've uh, particularly been interested in trajectories to uh, health status in old age and the differences between ageing in men and women. Um, So have published a few uh, papers and done some research in that domain Um, and also looking at protective factors, so assets that may mitigate the onset of disability in ageing. So the third factor that um, sort of came together for me with this paper was uh, COVID. So as you know, there has been a global um, crisis in the last couple of years and Australia hasn't been spared this, though we've handled it in a very different way. Um, But there have been repeated periods of lockdowns over the last uh, nearly two years. Um, which gave me the opportunity to indulge in some movie watching. Um, I have three children aged between 11 and 21, and there are a few things that we can do together as a a family that that entertain us all. Um, But the Marvel superhero series seemed to be one of them that we could enjoy. And so we watched all the movies in in order um, during the lockdown period. And then in February of last year, I gave a presentation to the surgeons in my local hospital and the executive assistant for the surgical group advertised my talk using this flyer. And she had found a a stock photo from the Internet, which depicted some old older superheroes sitting on a park bench. And I thought my initial reaction was this was quite clever, a clever way of attracting the surgeons to come along to this presentation about aging. But then on reflection, I thought it was rather sad that they were all being um, presented as looking a little confused and uh, sad and overweight. And so it's got me thinking about what would happen to the superheroes as they got, got older. Um, So I persuaded my team at the University of Queensland to embark upon this study. Um, It was a direct observational study of superheroes as portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we wanted to focus on the shared positive and negative characteristics of the superheroes. And we found that there are more than 250 eponymous characters if you include supporting characters in this movie franchise, which were far too many for us to summarize. So we chose five characters to explore in more detail. And we chose characters that represented both Um, males and females, and different ethnicities, and broadly represented some of the characteristics of the group as a whole. So the setting and direct observational methods were that we viewed all 24 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, starting with Iron Man, which was released in 2008, and culminating with Black Widow in 2021. So we didn't include the most recent um, Spider-Man movie. Viewing occurred in 2020 and 2021 with concentrated periods during lockdowns. Um, Viewing occurred in cinemas in Brisbane and on home devices. Uh, We generated a guiding framework, which was based on current evidence regarding healthy aging. And we were very influenced by the Lancet Commission paper, which was published in 2020, um, which includes this diagram. Now, the Lancet Commission looked at preventable factors in relation to dementia in old age. And they found that 40% of dementia is potentially preventable. And they generated this um, diagram, which I find hugely useful and I use in my teaching for medical students now, because it shows the life course um, in relation to potentially modifiable factors. So during early life, if uh, people have low levels of education, that increase there's a 7% attributable risk um, for dementia for that uh, d- domain. Then during midlife, the factors that are important are hearing loss, um, which remarkably is associated with 8% of potentially uh, preventable dementias traumatic brain injury, hypertension, so having high blood pressure, high levels of alcohol consumption, and obesity. Then in later life, the important, there's a little bit of overlap here, obviously, because smoking during midlife wouldn't be terribly beneficial, but um, ongoing smoking, depression, social isolation, physical inactivity, air pollution, and diabetes are the important factors in late life. So of those 12 factors, we were able to explore 10 of them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe characters. So hypertension, we couldn't evaluate, and diabetes, because that depends upon blood tests and um, physiological measures Um, But the others we were able to uh, make some hypotheses about. So the methodology was that we engaged in some discussion and debate among the team members about the characteristics of the Marvel superheroes, and data was managed on an evolving pro forma. Um, The internet was sometimes uh, consulted if there were queries about facts um, and to help resolve debate. Um, each film was viewed at least three times and up to seven times. Um, and this method was used until thematic saturation and agreement was reached. So there are several important caveats to our methodology, so the most important one is that to maximize the use of data and to avoid plot spoilers for people who have not seen Marvel Endgame, we envisage a future in which all superheroes survive to old age. The long-term effects of being involuntarily teleported to a quantum realm, an event that was described as the blip and befell almost half of all superhero characters has not been subject to investigation in either animal or human studies. So that was excluded from our analysis. Similarly, while the short term impact of being doused in tesseract energy seems to be positive, we do not know how that would impact aging trajectories. So we excluded Captain Marvel and Thor is an Asgardian whose life expectancy is several millennia. So we thought it would be stretching the credibility of our methodology to extend our paper to include Thor. So these are our results. We found that the Marvel superheroes um, displayed several very positive behaviors and had many health assets. They are often seen to be physically active and they engage in high intensity interval training with bursts of very vigorous activity. Um, And we found some quotes from the movies to exemplify each of these domains. So we thought that Captain Marvel, even though we didn't um, anticipate her aging trajectory, um, the quote from her was uh, quite um, a good summary of their attitude towards physical activity. Um, So high intensity interval training has particularly been associated with life extension in aging men, um, but there is some evidence relating to women as well. And we know that physical activity has many benefits um, on the life course. So we also observed that the superheroes have a high daily step count and low levels of sedentary behavior. So there are some very elegant studies now from longitudinal data sets that relate sitting time to poorer um, outcomes related to aging. So this scene is from the first Avengers movie, Avengers Assemble, 2012. And here the Marvel superheroes are discussing the imminent invasion of Earth by an alien life force. Though this is a potentially serious problem for humans um, but nobody is sort of sitting around writing notes. They are all standing. um, Thor is stepping. Um, So this was an example of the fact that they don't um, rest for long periods. They don't sit for long periods which is beneficial in aging trajectories. The other very positive factor in relation to the Marvel superheroes is that they show high levels of social connectivity and a shared purpose. Um, So they do have arguments and disagreements, um, but they tend to come back together as a group to resolve conflicts, particularly when there is an external threat. Um, And we felt that this was summed up by the quote, We are grouped by group. Um, They are also optimistic and positive. So here, this moment is um, where they were facing unbelievable odds with many aliens flying into New York, um, and yet they were determined to continue fighting, and in fact, as many of you will know, they they won won the day, Um, and Thor uh, said, I choose to run towards my problems and not away from them, because that's what heroes do. Now being optimistic um, has been associated with healthy aging as has having a sense of purpose. So they were united in their goals. Um, just in relation to some other positive behaviors, uh, we did say that they did the superheroes didn't smoke. Um, And with the exception of Iron Man and Thor, who both indulged in binge drinking, um, the rest of them didn't seem to have high levels of alcohol intake. So that was relating to two of those behavioral factors on that Lancet commission, um, that the superheroes were generally um, exhibiting good behaviors in terms of their smoking and drinking. Uh, But we did observe several negative behaviors and significant risk factors. So the um, superheroes were exposed to very loud noises, such as explosions and planets colliding. So here we see Spider-Man being in very close proximity to an explosion. Now work from um, the studies in in military personnel show that exposure to loud noises um, can cause deafness. And um, deafness is, as I mentioned during that um, introductory slide on the Lancet Commission, has a very uh, close link now to um, dementia. But if you wear hearing aids, that risk is um, obviated. So it's it's just something for the superheroes to be aware of. Um, We also noticed that Thor and Hulk um, often talk with booming voices, and this may be a sound that they have early sensory neural hearing loss. So we pointed out that was a cause for concern. They also have exposure to... Um, many physical injuries during their fighting and we are particularly concerned about the potential for traumatic brain injuries. Um, So this was in fact a fight between Hulk and Thor that occurred during Thor Ragnarok and um, at the end of this scene both are seen to be bloodied and bruised and physically injured by the battle that had had taken place. Um, So So they are at risk of life changing physical injury and they are also at risk of um, dementia due to repeated head injury. Uh, Then we undertook the five superhero health checks for individual superheroes. So the uh, positive behaviours and risk factors I've described to date are tended to be shared by the cohort as a whole. Um, But we wanted to focus on some individual uh, risk factors in order to give back some information to these um, superheroes about behaviors that they should be modifying. So Iron Man has many significant assets, he's highly intelligent, Um, we're told in the movies that he went to university at 17, Um, he's extremely wealthy, and being in higher socioeconomic groups is strongly associated with more positive aging trajectories, and he eventually has a very happy marriage to Pepper. Um, and being in a close and supportive um, marital relationship is um, associated with uh, uh, more positive aging trajectories. We were concerned about some of his risk practice. So he has um, heart problems which don't fit neatly into um, diagnostic criteria and have been corrected by his arc reactor to date, but we are concerned about the longer term impact of that. Um, When he travels into space, which he does frequently, um, he wears a suit, but we are not sure whether that suit will be protecting him from gravitational shifts. And if it doesn't, then he will be at risk of um, early osteoporosis. Uh, Hulk was in fact the superhero that we had the most concerns about. Um, There were no specific assets relating to uh, the Hulk, and we feel that he has a symptomatic tachycardia. Uh, Bruce Banner transforms into the Hulk when his heart rate exceeds 200 beats per minute, which is extremely abnormal and suggests that he has a tachyarrhythmia such as atrial fibrillation, which has been associated with strokes and ischemic heart disease. Um, he also has a very high BMI. If you'll allow me to refer to my notes, I can tell you that the internet um, estimates that the Hulk stands between 223 and 243 centimetres tall uh, with a weight of 472 to 685 kilograms. So we worked out that his body mass index is around 120 Now, the ideal range for body mass index in younger people is approximately 21 to 25. Um, There is some evidence suggesting that BMIs of between 25 and 29.9 may offer advantages to people in midlife and beyond. But we felt that 120 was of concern. Um, So his high BMI would also put him at risk of Uh, Not being cared for appropriately were he to be admitted to a local hospital, Um, because hospitals need to have specialized bariatric equipment to transfer patients from bed to chair, for example. Um, We didn't know if they would have a suitable um, commode for the Hulk if he were injured and admitted to hospital. Um, He is also admits to having constant anger. In fact, there is a very famous line where he says to Captain America, that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry, as he is transforming from Bruce Banner into the Hulk. And anger has been associated with higher levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines, um, which do have a negative effect on several comorbidities in advanced age. The next superhero we did a health check for was Black Panther. And Black Panther probably has the most positive aging trajectory. Um, He is highly intelligent and he lives in Wakanda. Wakanda is the most technologically advanced um, and economically stable um, city in the world. And it relies upon vibranium, which is a um, substance that can be um, utilized to provide energy without the side effects of air pollution. So he lives in this, this ideal environment and he is extremely intelligent and in a very socially socioeconomically privileged position, Um, as the king. Um, So he has many advantages relating to his socioeconomic status. He's a vegetarian, and though some of the evidence is conflicting about plant-based diets, we feel that generally it would be positive for him. The only concern about Black Panther is that his superpowers um, have come from the use of a heart-shaped herb. Now, the heart-shaped herb again has not been subject to um, animal or human studies that we could find, but we do know that um, the use of performance-enhancing medications um, can be very negative. So this is something that we have concerns about. The next superhero is Black Widow. So again, unfortunately, Black Widow, Natasha, has no specific health assets. Um, she had a terrible childhood, being taken by force into the Red Room, um, where she was subject to um, physical and emotional abuse. And we know that uh, traumatic trauma in childhood is associated with increasing frailty in old age and with um, psychological problems throughout the life course. Ooh, sorry, I thought there was somebody at the door. Um, During her childhood, we hear in Black Widow that she was subject to um, a a hysterectomy um, against her will. Uh, So we don't know if that was associated with an oophorectomy as well, but it does mean that she would be childless. And there is some work um, showing that uh, nulliparity, so not having any children, is associated with increased um, frailty in old age. Uh, So there is actually a J-shaped curve between number of children and um, frailty status in old age with the optimum being between two and three. Um, So an early menopause, if she did have an oophorectomy, would cause um, osteoporosis, um, earlier onset of cardiovascular disease um, and uh, generally is a a very negative prognostic indicator for her ageing trajectory. She is also the only superhero we discussed who is female, and this ties in with my research interest in um, the differences between aging men and women, because this is one of the fundamental paradoxes of aging, that women tend to have higher frailty, so they have higher rates of dementia and more um, disability and dependency, and yet they live longer lives than men. So this is one of the fundamental paradoxes of aging um, that we haven't solved yet but which is forming um, part of my uh, programme of research here in Queensland. So the next um, superhero I'd like to discuss is Spider-Man. Uh, so Spider-Man is an orphan um, and losing your parents before the age of 11 is associated with um, a higher prevalence of depression, uh, which is linked now to dementia and to poor uh, aging trajectories. But he does have a close and nurturing relationship with his Aunt May and with several positive um, male role models among among the superheroes, particularly with Iron Man. Um, So the the quote we've chosen here was from um, Iron Man to Spider-Man, embracing him into the Avenger community. Uh, He also has excellent flexibility and good balance, which is likely to reduce the risk of falls. Um, The one major risk factor for um, Spider-Man is that he does most of his crime fighting at night, And teenagers are recommended to have at least eight to 10 hours of sleep. Um, And those that don't have that recommended um, amount of sleep are more at risk of um, accidents and of poorer mental health. So we are concerned about Spider-Man's sleep patterns. Um, So in conclusion... As uh, our uh, study found that as a cohort, the superheroes exhibited um, several positive behaviors, um, but also had some negative traits. Now we would like our results to inform behavioral change techniques, but these have not been investigated in superheroes to date. So we are not confident that they will take steps to modify or mitigate any of their behaviors. There are several limitations to the study. Um, We didn't have any biometric data, so we couldn't investigate high blood pressure or diabetes, for example, and that meant that we couldn't generate a superhero ageing calculator to be precise about their life expectancies. Um, This study was based on observational data and the ageing trajectories were extrapolated from non-superhero studies. we, up till now, the superhero cohort has focused on the modulation of human consciousness and um, saving the world from invasion by alien life forces and also on space travel. Um, But we feel they should now um, divert their translational research stream to more pressing challenges, such as how to adapt the healthcare systems for an aging society and the prevention of frailty and dementia in old age. Um, So we also feel that our paper highlighted um, the the fact that we need to optimise the ageing trajectories of these Marvel superheroes and modify their risk factors in order for them to contribute their huge amount of knowledge and expertise to these problems. So... That was the paper. And I just wanted to spend a minute or two telling you about what happened after it was published. So the context is that I have been trying to do research in geriatric medicine and gerontology, as I say, for you know 12 years or so. And most of my papers um, create no sort of reaction at all. I mean, I'm sure Des will sympathize with this. <laughs> But this paper created a little bit of a stir, so I, though it attracted quite a bit of media coverage. So I did um, interviews with Time magazine based on this paper and with CNN Digital and the New York Post and ITV News and several um, Australian radio stations. And the media team at the at UQ have calculated somehow, I don't know how they keep track of these sort of metrics, but the potential reach of all those outlets was 140 million people, which kind of blows my mind but normally five people read my papers <laughs> um so it had an alt metric score of 663 and altmetric scores are what journals use to see how much j- uh, papers have been taken up by um by media outlets and and on twitter and things like that and that alt metric score places it in the top one percent of papers um for its social media and, and media impact um, I had some lovely comments from colleagues, including uh, Des, who reached out um, to say he'd enjoyed the paper. And one of the other great positives of this is that it, built, it was a cohesive um, piece of work between me and my team, because I have only just been appointed as the chair of geriatric medicine in UQ. And I've got a very small team, we're just starting off. And this was just such a fun activity for us to do together. Uh, but there were also some negatives, which I wasn't really expecting but um, a couple of colleagues emailed me to say, I hope you didn't have a grant for this. So they seemed to think that it had been a waste of time. Um, the Daily Mail published this study with the headline, Marvel superheroes would be totally screwed by old age, which wasn't the message of the paper at all. Um, so I was quite taken aback by that. And then I made the mistake of looking at some of the online comments, which... <laughs> which um were posted when this went you know for example the new york post these were uh, or with the cnn digital there's i mean cnn digital there were 350 comments and i looked I think I must have looked at 349 of them, and they were all negative. So people were just thinking it was a total waste of time. Um, But I'm not hurt or offended by that at all. I just think, isn't it strange that people took the effort, uh, took the time to write something about, you know, don't people in the University of Queensland know that these are fictional characters? It just made me smile. Um, so before I finish, I would like to thank my team. Here we are um, last Christmas. So this was a, an effort with Sarah Fox, Natasha Reid, Ida Tornval, Shavini, and Emily. So thank you so much. I look forward to your questions.
1: Well, thanks very much indeed, Ruth. That was a fantastic journey. And I think it points to a whole load of things. You know, I think, uh, Humour is, is hugely important, and I think uh, a degree of irony often gets a little bit of irony. For the man, gets uh, gets the message across. Uh, uh, one of the the, the best um, lessons we have in how to detect delirium was actually a black humoured slide of how not to detect it. So, which actually has much more impact on the uh, on the students. I think you've brought out a, a number of wonderful traits here, and certainly coming, uh, starting at the end, you know, as a graduate of Trinity College, Oscar Wilde said, "There's only one thing worse than uh, than being talked about, and that's not being talked about." So, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> generating a, 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 a reaction is certainly important, and certainly generating a negative action from reaction from certain quarters. One of the ironies often is the ageism of of, of older people themselves, and very often uh, from these corners, uh, people can be uh, can can there can be a resistance. The the I think just uh, you you've you brought a hugely important element here too by I think looking through uh, popular uh, cinema. As, as as a trope and a medium And I think this I'm very interested in And we may get comments from, from our participants I'm very interested in cinema and film studies As a medium for explaining ageing But very often it's through art house movies or movies That a rare, 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 rarefied group of people Have seen And I think uh, mm. you know, uh, taking, t- taking these movies And perhaps bringing The complexities and concepts of ageing To a younger audience uh, is certainly very important, and and cultural cultural um, memes and tropes have definitely a shelf life. As uh, I'm quite shocked, for example, how if we make reference to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, is you know there's blank looks all around. Um, but I, I think you, 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 uniquely, it's a very interesting. And one of the questions I will put back to you before we we come back, I think you've huge, you, you've, you've, the, the big gift you've given, I think, in this paper, is that concept of things we thought immutable, such as frailty or dementia. Actually, we, and this is my question, is coming to the we, uh, we have power to do something about. Yes. One of my concerns, though, is very often you see this around a whole load of books around age proof or forever young is almost a kind of a neoliberal thing about pushing this back to individuals. Whereas, in fact, we should be looking to the key argument is look at structures that reduce inequality and improve access mm-hmm. to all of these elements. Your thoughts thereby?
0: Yes, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a it's a balance there isn't it because we do want individuals to um take responsibility for their own health and and empower the ones who who, who can't do that um to be able to do it um so uh, yes the, the, i i because the the huge inequalities in in aging trajectories relating to socioeconomic status um was something we could have emphasized more in 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 the paper i mean uh, i i originally it gives iron man and, and and black panther i mean they are they are in a rarefied position those two um and that will will stand them in good stead and and iron man you see um this was where my uh, uh, it, that that's talk to the surgeons last february where all these ideas started percolating i started to say well iron man has the The economic resources to mitigate any disability so if he um which would be a tremendous strength and um i I, I, I could see them all looking really perplexed and saying well iron man's dead and this was the literal response that i've had problems with from some of my colleagues um but yes just that uh, yeah i i i agree that um but, but I think individuals need to have the knowledge too to to shape things, don't they? Without we, you can give individuals the knowledge without blaming them if they if they can't do it.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's empowering. We certainly find that the brain health approach that we use with people with early memory problems, that sort of thing. It's not only that it may be effective in its own right, but gives them some ownership of the of the framework and solutions around around where where they might be. So we have a couple of comments in and then we might just, you know, just just keep tossing some of the ideas around. uh, Yes. Uh, very positive. So Bruce Banner's seven PhDs, not counting as a health asset. So, uh, <laughs>
0: well, that's because it was the Hulk. You see, that are we visit? We conceptualise them as two different characters. Um, yeah. So the, the Hulk does not have Bruce Banner's um, intelligence. All
1: oh, right. Yes. And the Hulk obviously has generated a further question, and is, is an interesting one. It's around. The challenge of something of using markers like BMI, which in, in in the broad sense, but also then trying to individualize it as well. For that the use, for example, the comment is the use of a BMI as a health metric is controversial, especially in very muscular people. Yes. So your sense of, of where we go with BMI.
0: Yes well this was Donald Trump's Donald Trump's argument wasn't it that he he his BMI was very high but he was very fit and and people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and um yeah the the hulk is very muscular um but 120 is in no way going to confer any advantages um and uh he, you know, the, the, the paper that ended up in the BMJ was a, was a real synthesis of what we originally submitted. And we spoke at, quite le- at a lot of length about the fact that health systems are not designed for people with that BMI, which would be a big um, detriment to him. I mean, I've looked after patients on the ward who, who because they didn't have a suitable bed when they came in, became bed bound and immobilized because they couldn't get up their legs were too short to get up and they were the wrong shape. Um, So by the time they come to me in the rehabilitation ward, they're so far behind. And it's just an example of the health system um, exacerbating disability, Um, not meeting the needs of the the patients that that, that it serves. Um, Yeah, so I I think, yeah, and, there are some controversial studies about fitness rather than fatness, but I think generally having a, a BMI over thirty or thirty-five is is not positive. That seems to be the message from the longitudinal data.
1: Sure. Okay. Well, listen. It's been interesting. One comment I think you answered probably at the early stages about Professor Hulk in Endgame, but your your survey didn't cover Endgame. I or did it?
0: Yes, it did, um, but now I'm getting down to the purists about um, the combination character. In the end, no. um, so yes, I uh, we no. we didn't in- include him. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah. Good, an interesting question. And one of the things is wh- wh- how much commentary did you get back from um, film schools, film academics or movie academics? Or um, uh, one of the reasons I asked this is one of one of the p- films I've used around um, dementia and aging is um by a German called Til Schweiger called Honey in Kopf or Honey and the Brain. But I remember presenting it in in Germany at an academic conference. um, And afterwards, people said, oh, but that's a a low class, popular, popular movie, you know. Um, So much comment from film studies before we come to the next question, which I think is quite interesting.
0: Um, No, I haven't had a lot of engagement with those guys. And um, I'd be really interested to to reach out, see what they thought. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: well, certainly I circulate, I'm not sure whether we have anybody from, it. I circulated it certainly to our, our National Film School here. Um, there was a, a question here, and again, obviously, you've taken a particular interest here, but um, movies, science fiction movies in general, how are healthcare workers and their connections to older people represented in these movies? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, one of the and obviously, while you might be thinking where that fits, the, one of the key questions, one of the key movies, I think a star movie here is The Death of Mr. Lazaresco, a fantastic Romanian movie about an old man with what we call senile squalor or Diogenes syndrome who falls, gets a brain bleed, traumatic brain bleed from that. And is there's a caring ambulance woman who decides, paramedic decides to bring him to hospital. And just the callous rejection of him in these various emergency departments, where you know they'll provide the technology. So uh, it, it can be quite interesting. I think also mm. um, Soylent Green is is very uh, you know very interesting in terms of older people and uh, the asteroid movies. One of them, I, I'm trying, Vital Impact, whichever. One of them was when they were deciding to protect everybody on Earth. They were going to take a selected group of the populations down to the mine and they decided to take nobody over 50. And I mean, I think there was kind of horror at the loss of of memory and institutional memory you'd lose there. You know, kids who could only use calculators and didn't know how to do long division, like who was was going to tell Mm. them how to do long division or how to fix a fuse or but anyway, your own thought about how how older people in general are are represented in movies, and and, and if there's a sense you might know from uh, Marvel or, or or science fiction movies.
0: Yes, no, I, I'm not familiar with those movies you've you've cited there, but I'd be very interested to see them. I mean, I think that. Um, There have been a few um, movies that have attracted a lot of attention about um, dementia, haven't there? The father and and those sort of things recently. And um, I think that, um, I think about my mum and what she would have said about those, and she would not have wanted to see those and would have been very um, appalled by the way they portrayed ageing, even though it was clearly only one aspect of ageing. She would not have... uh, um, celebrated anthony hopkins role in that at all um, so uh, yeah i'm I, I mean i do think it's interesting how it would be very interesting to see how aging has uh, the portrayal of aging has changed in films i think i think change over time is very very interesting to capture um and just just one other point that that, that cnn made about my paper is that um uh, there's a, a, a series called Hawkeye, apparently, which is on Disney at the moment, which I haven't seen, but does, but, but that program is, um, it, 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 the subject of that is this, one of the Marvel superheroes and his aging processes, and he he's deaf, he's becoming deaf. Um, and he is having problems with his social connectivity, apparently. so so they do sort of take forward some of the things I'd just hypothesized about in 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 this in this paper. So, yes, in terms of of portrayals of you're going back to your original question about portrayals of aging in 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 movies, I would have to um I would have to think more about that Des.
1: Sure. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things, I mean, uh, in, in many ways, one of the challenges for us is trying to bring together uh, the gerontology fields and the, those interests in aging in humanities and arts. And it's trying to be careful that they don't get man of straw arguments. It's quite interesting because certainly uh, virtually unanimously, people living with dementia and specialists I know who've seen the father uh, have felt it was a lazy piece of reductionist (laughs) writing um, and uh, did no service. uh, Indeed, one of my one of my patients who is a theater director uh, living with dementia was very taken aback. From his own personal experience, so um, I think one of one of the reasons I'm particularly interested, and if there's any film academics out there, is working out how best do we use the medium of cinema in 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 education? Because you know, curricular time is limited. Uh, showing clips, maybe perhaps sh- clips with discussion from film studies as why something has a certain impact. Uh, mm. Along with perhaps a geriatrician, neurologist, geriatrician saying, "Is something we found perhaps is useful, but it takes a bit of structuring. Showing yes. a whole showing a whole film is quite challenging. You know, a film with with Q and A afterwards. We've done this in our local art center out in where my hospital, and you know, we got a reasonable audience, um, but it, it's 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 quite labour uh, intensive." And the bit I feel I'm missing as somebody with an interest, and again, um, I, I, in the area I've written a bit around film and and ageing, is I'd love to have more sense or to be robustly interrogated by uh, a, a film academic around perhaps some of the uh, techniques. For example, one of the things they talk about is mode of address whereby they create this space between the the, the viewers and and, and, the, and, the, and the cinema. And also picking out features. Um, one of the, uh, uh, Nebraska is perhaps one of my favorite movies about dementia in a sense, because it shows kindness and love and tolerance, but also there's a very useful metaphor for the damage that has been done uh, to Bruce Dern's brain in their traveling through these small towns in America that are crumbling. Mm-hmm. So there's a fantastic visual analog, but uh, so uh, certainly can I say I'd be putting out a call to any film academics that might be there to say, get in touch and we can, we could do a talk. Um, we've come to, to to 50 minutes, which is usually about where we are. I think we've got all the questions. It really just remains to me to thank Ruth. It's just been a ple- pleasure for me to catch up with her again. We've make uh, encounter each other. I think uh, we similarly share the idea that it's really important to get these complex ideas out in a way. The hermeneutics of ageing is really important. And Ruth, you you have not only um, informed us and entertained us today, but you've actually made, a, I think, a very significant addition to the literature uh, on ageing. I'd like to thank um, uh, Shelby and 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 her colleagues in the Trinity Long Hub for supporting us. And if you just bear with me for a second, I'm just going to share a screen for uh next uh, next week's uh, presentation, uh, which is uh, a very distinguished uh, uh, psychiatrist and director of the Institute of History of Psychiatry and professor of psychiatry in Weill Cornell uh, Medical School, New York. And it's this uh, very well received book, uh, A History of Xenophobia. Uh, Professor Macari has been really interesting in his previous books around the formation of the mind. Uh, and also around how uh, psychoanalysis actually re- represents a synthesis view of Freud and his colleagues. So I can guarantee uh, 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 an equally interesting and stimulating seminar. So thanks very much, everybody. And Ruth will be in touch and uh, shall be held. Thanks very much indeed. All the best. Thank
0: you so much. Bye bye. The Hub is a community.
1: Manuscript, book, and print cultures stamping provenance Languages towards the history to of the the Year Library.
0: As well as being heard. The Hub is a space.
1: Contemplating Ireland through the communities created by cultural start- Star- changes. The
0: Hub is about impact. The, of
1: the, of the Hub is for everyone.
0: Right. The rise of feminist resistance. Here's to the next 10 years.